Hello and welcome to another episode of the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is a conversation with Tyg Leader of Leader Kicking. Tyg is a former professional rugby player and Canadian football player, American football player, and he is currently working to transition GAA players, rugby players and Irish athletes over to American football in kicking and punting being the position of choice for those athletes. So we had two kickers talking all things kicking here, all things skill development, really going in-depth on the coaching, really going in-depth on the common characteristics of good kickers and people that he believes can transition to a huge opportunity of potential college scholarships in the US. So a fantastic conversation for you guys here today i hope you all enjoy it check out leader kicking on instagram and if you do enjoy it please remember to like it share it and send it tyke we've put this together very very quickly but it is fantastic to have you on the pd performance podcast so do you want to give us a rundown on why you're in dublin today and what your plans are for the rest of the day yeah um basically this morning up dealing with a lot of emails early I actually got to the gym I, I haven't been training as much myself over the last kind of couple of months because busy getting this up off the ground and having a full-time job outside of leader kicking that full-time job is no more uh, but yeah just deal, we have a lot of um partners uh, potential partners sponsors trying to get on board with us uh, so dealing with a lot of emails that's america and irish groups and uh well to be honest going back doing that this evening there's actually an nfl team i have a call with them at three o'clock today which is i've been waiting for for a while not for me to go play but for what we're doing in ireland i wish my boats my boat sailed the ship sailed and uh yeah that's most of the day and then taking my girlfriend out for dinner because i missed her anniversary so oh, <laughs> that's nice. that's my friday that's a pretty hectic friday so in relation to the nfl team and that call is that them just picking your brain, seeing what's going on over here? Or do you think they're having a, a little bit of an inkling or interest into maybe a transition uh, player pathway program similarly to what uh, was it NFL Europe did previously yeah, with yeah. the rugby players? Yeah, there's that, that pathway exists. And actually, so that's our, that pathway is ongoing, the NFL one. And actually, I'm talking to them as well about potential options for Irish athletes to go into it. Um, but with the with the team today... I just think they see the growth that we've experienced from leader kick and say, and like the amount, the way the Irish fan base has engaged with us, which then I think, you know, potentially is an opportunity for them to try and activate a new fan base. I, I'm assuming that's where the chat's going to go. I, yeah, it's a, it's a first chat. So maybe I'll have some updates next, next time we chat. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because obviously the major sticking point and one of the big reasons that leader kicking exists and what you're doing at the moment is the absence of college stats for a lot of athletes transitioning over which is fantastic that you have the two lads going over now but yeah. it was the sticking point for you yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what they're thinking now are they actually thinking realistically maybe we can go against the grain a bit and we don't need those college stats we can transition athletes in or maybe they're thinking okay give us a player pool send them all over we can place them in some colleges that we have um relationships with and then potentially go and look at drafting them down the line yeah i, I think it could go anyway um i'd say in the, the short short term i imagine it's just around <clears throat> a fan base in ireland i think and because we've, you know, we're getting a massive amount of traction on social media. So I think that would probably be more so their intent. Um, I think it would be very difficult for there ever to be a time where you can disregard college football um, realistically, unless 
because I experienced, I probably, I didn't understand the lay of the land, but realistically to go play in the NFL, you need to have, you need to have some sort of college experience or, or at least proper experience playing the sport, say. Um, but it, w- it would be class if a rugby or GEA player who was like a high level, you'd have to be at a high level in one of those sports to stand a chance to make that transition. But it is, it's possible and it's getting more possible every every day now, now that like, we have something actually happen in Ireland for lads to transfer their or natural kicking the talents into a new sport for sure and like those player pathway programs and project players obviously was something that was trialed and Jared Hayne got pretty close mm. as well like as did Christian Wade was on the training roster but Hayne played a few preseason games before he eventually did get cut but like he put in a decent showing when he did so and then when Christian Wade got his chances he put in a decent showing I would imagine, though, if you could get a kicker and get them opportunities, it's very success or failure yeah. <laughs> in terms of does the ball go through the post or not. So yeah, it's more you, black it and white. It could go really, really well or not go well yeah. at all. And that's, and that's the team around the sport of American football. Lads doing really well, like Christian Wade or Jared Hayne, and then getting cut. It's, like, it's so bloody tough. Coming through professional rugby, um, that was my background primarily, and it's like a ruthless sport, you know, but that's all we know is within Ireland and you know the leagues I played in, it, it is a business and it's ruthless. But when I moved to American football, you then realise, oh wow, this is this is different. You're literally here today, gone tomorrow. Um, like if you sign a three-year contract, you could be gone tomorrow. Whereas in rugby, you'd be paid out or they'll keep you. You might they mightn't play yet, but you're still part of the squad. You're still there. They can't just say, hey, here's your flight ticket. And like as I experienced, so it's it's uh, it's it's gas the how that works but that's just like the american or north american their kind of sporting culture it's 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 different a lot of class opportunities within it but um yeah it's it was kind of part of the, the learning process that i went through and then now i'm hoping the fact i went through it that i can help the lads i'm working with like, you know navigate it because it's it's not straightforward we spoke about this uh, actually last week or two weeks ago as well and it's because Sure, there are a load of opportunities in American sport, but they also have a load of opportunities as franchises to bring in players. And if they're keeping you on the roster, they're almost seeing it at an opportunity cost of getting somebody else in if you're not performing. So I, I was told, in, so the NFL is the ultimate, CFL is the next big, biggest league. So I was there last year and in, in training camp, we're literally told like, you know, you guys are here, you, you have, you're in the seat right now but our scouts are actively looking to replace you. And I remember being like, God, oh, this is day one. <laughs> like, I haven't even kicked the ball yet. You know, so like, you know, they had, like that's, it was mad just that like, you know, AKA perform, otherwise you're gone, which is the case. Um, so yeah, th- but that was, things like that were just mad that like, you know, they actively said like, you know, we're, we're trying to find someone better always. So like, you know, obviously it's seen as a motivating factor to keep performing to a high level, um, but it, I don't know. I don't really think we'd hear that much this side of the Atlantic. We don't have the same amount yeah. of players. Even yeah. in rugby, like it's probably third, fourth most played game and gets the most eyes as well. Well, second most eyes. But how many rugby players are there even in the country? And although we export a lot of rugby players, like if you compare how many players are playing GAA to rugby, it's oh, yeah. stark. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. GAA is unbelievable. The, the amount of players and talent that's out there and that's something that I'm learning about I love growing up hurling Gaelic football in my sports rugby was third and I just kind of ended up going that route but uh, I'm loving now being home and like, coaching loads of lads uh, Gaelic footballers 
actually yesterday I was coaching a Dublin minor in hurling um so all different types of sports backgrounds coming so I'm really enjoying getting back into like you know what was my bread and butter for the first 18 years of my life say can you notice the different characteristics of say the people that are trying or the athletes that are trying the sport from a GAA perspective versus rugby perspective in terms of the kicking style or is it kind of similar rugby's way more um manufactured and like we say about American kickers, they're really robotic, which is true because you have a very specific swing pattern that they want you to achieve. And in rugby now, that's starting to come in a little bit as well, where it's a little, yeah, it's a bit more prescribed. There's less kind of uh, personal flavor to your swing. Um, so the GEA lads aren't as, they're not as much, no. They're, they're a lot more just a natural, natural organic, sw- like we just like swing. Um, they just kick it they just kick it yeah they ask lads questions they don't really you know ask them a question around their plant foot or their toe or their kind of different angles and you know there isn't really an answer which is fine because they just kick it whereas I think in rugby now it's getting it's definitely and I think there's loads of different resources out there online that lads go to to learn which is good but some of those are very strict and rigid mm-hmm. and they don't apply to everyone that's that's what i'm learning like a non-negotiable when it comes to kicking and I, like i'm love it passionate about it like a non-negotiable is your we say foot to ball contact when your foot hits the ball what's your angle of your foot like where are you contacting the ball that's critical but so many coaches spend so much time talking about your approach and your exit and your height your head your hips your shoulders everything which have a role but at the end of the day if, it's, if your foot to ball isn't right the rest is absolutely irrelevant but that's ignored surprising amount so that's what I learned when I started working with all these NFL coaches um, in training camps or just in free agent camps where I got to meet these people and I realized like oh wow like how we, we ignore we ignore the most critical component of the kick so anyway um, I think it's good to learn and get coaching but people have their own personal within reason there's certain non-negotiables and the non-negotiable is your football contact what's that look like so if that's like hitting the driver or a golf shot if the club face is skewed the shot skewed but was it was it Jim Furyk whatever like loads of golfers have a different backswing Pass, but just yeah. yeah just once we're getting into the contact zone then th- then there's non-negotiables outside of that um, there's a bit more scope for kind of what works for you so anyway that's kind of how I look at kicking I'm not one of those coaches that says there's only one way to do it because it's not and I think what I learned with some of the rugby kickers now I'm seeing is it seems a lot of them are kicking the exact same way and I don't know I did a session with John Cooney he's up in Ulster um, and he was saying the same thing that he finds that like you know, he likes to kick a soccer ball and just mess around with the soccer ball and in American football just go kicking a ball keep that natural feel that natural touch which you don't want to coach other lads you do not want to co- that's a, that's an asset uh, so anyway that's kind of so you're pretty open then in terms of the strategy I know you're not actually getting as many rugby recruits as you thought you would you're yeah. getting more GAA but in terms of if you were to get rugby recruits some people would approach it more from behind the ball and try to get a big swing on it to get more distance on it, like your Lee Halfpennies, for example. And then other people might come more around the corner, like a Johnny Wilkinson, Dan Carter, Ron Nogara, um, and try to open up so that they swing across the ball. Are you seeing one of those strategies to have more success in American football yet? Or are you very open to just whoever wants to try it, come in and try it? Oh, whoever wants to try it, and try it 100%. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the starting point. In terms of like the, the examples you made there around like the angles of approach, <clears throat> one of the, excuse me, one of the non, we talk about non-negotiables. 
in American football, you have to be, you do have to be squared, squared to the ball on your angle of approach, just because you only have two and a half steps and you have 1.3 seconds from when the ball is snapped back to the holder who places it for you then to kick it. So you do have to come on a, a straighter angle than you t I, I would have in rugby, for example, mm -hmm. just because you are moving at a different speed in a short in a shorter area, basically. So it's about so 30, it's a, is it, or 35? The, yeah, 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 closer, yeah, closer to that, and then so it's it, that that's probably where most lads take a bit of time to get used to just that angle of approach, because yeah, it doesn't it doesn't allow you to be as around the corner, mm -hmm. say, because you do have to have a bit more of a weight transfer through the ball towards the target, um, so yeah, but th that's that's something that guys can get to natural ball strikers can get to easy enough. I do allow guys to be a little bit wider if that's what works for them, but. When it comes to kicking on with me on a pitch is one thing in Dublin or Galway, wherever you're at. But like when it comes to playing in front of 60,000 in a college stadium where it's like high pressure um, and you, you do have a snap and a hold, there there's more variables at play. So generally, the straighter, these like a train track analogy, generally the straighter on approach you can be with less variables. Because swinging around the corner, there is, a, there is a decent amount of variable, let alone then a guy's holding the ball for you, mm -hmm. which is appearing half a second before you kick it so you do try and eliminate as much as you can but if a lot my big thing is if you can do something consistently to a high level and yeah so you're repetitive in that swing and that motion and that outcome well then we'll work with that but if not then you obviously try and tinker with things do any athletes or kickers vary that strategy based on obviously the most important thing is whether they're kicking their conversions and whether they're uh, kicking their field goals but for kickoff, would they potentially change that strategy even more? And do you think there would be more license from American football coaches to have a little bit of a tinker with that kickoff rather than, I know you said they're quite traditional in terms of how they approach and look at how you're kicking those field goals? Yeah, kickoff is definitely a room where you have scope because scope to change things because, again, we talk about you were two and a half steps off the ball kickoff kind of vary between like seven to 12 depending on who you are because obviously the objective is just blast the thing <laughs> as far as you can pretty much simple there so um yeah, it's really interesting about kickoff is you see some guys is when they come into the ball really really fast a lot of speed into it so which is good you just need to be again if you can if you can do that high speed but maintain your consistency great um what i just find is it's interesting to see when some guys they they kick on the kickoff is their their kicking foot impacts the ball and then they explode up so much that it's called a hurl step it's like you're jumping over a hurl and then landing back on your kicking foot it was a swing i could never get down because coming from rugby and gaelic and stuff i would kick and then my foot would maybe get to hip height and then it was kind of coming back to ground because i was kind of i don't know you're used to impacting and yeah. moving or staying alive uh, so it's really interesting to see some of the american swing like they just they just explode up um but there's kickoff is a lot more room for personal flavor um and it's it's a hard thing to do because you want to kick it around 70 yards um off the tee and have it in the air for like four seconds maybe more um four to 4.5 is like nfl standard so it's uh so you need hang time as well as length and distance yeah so ideally if you can kick it into the end zone every time hang time is not really important because then it's in the end zone but not everyone kicks in the end zone every time. So then same concept on punts. The longer the ball's in the air, the more time for coverage to get downfield. So yeah. So every time we're doing kickoff, we're tracking not only distance, but we're like, you know, that's a three eight, that's a four two, that's a four one. We're tracking our hang time every kick because that's what the American coaches want to see. You know, so the more height we get, the better. And when you 
get to that really proficient level will those kickers be able to manipulate their contact or their swing to vary the yeah. hang time that they're getting yeah to yeah. what degree like yeah no you, ca- you to can't what decimal do you reckon uh oh I think every the most high level kickers they know they have a t- it's called a touchback they have a touchback ball which is just where a bit, where they just want to bang it say, say seventy yards into the end zone so you can hang that up for two and a half seconds as long as it goes out um, and like that uh, like I guess in that scenario you're not too concerned on hang time but I, I lads can know like okay we need to we need you to hit like a a four point two outside the you know five yards from the sideline, two yards from the goal line. So the return is it's like a fullback in rugby is catching mm-hmm. a box in a corner. And the, the, yeah, the top guys can, if you ask for a 4.2, they'll give you between, you know, within 0.2 of that. Yeah, definitely. And that's... That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, like, ah, that's just what happens. But I fair, I've, I guess I've been kind of in it now for so long that, like, that's just... You know, when I was in the CFL training camp, you know, a coach would say, I want a touchback, he had a touchback. He goes, I want it, I want it generally more, but like, give me at least a 4-1 outside the numbers. And then you just like, you, you need to hit it eight times out of 10 with like, not just the accuracy, but like with those say, like over a four. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're liable but to be it's fired. A, it's a total different mentality to kicking in rugby where you're just trying to get it over. Yeah, totally different. Like, like so... Obviously, you'll have your target with rugby kicking where you might pick like a circle or you might hit it over the black spot. But like where over the black spot or where it goes through doesn't really matter because even as a kicker, you're going to say like all of those kicks are not the same. You're not going to be happy with every ball that goes over the bar and you're not going to be disappointed with every ball that doesn't go over the bar. But at the same time, it's still three points. And that's what they'll always say. Even if it comes off your foot wrong or it a dodgy way and it skews over then it's still three points so it still counts whereas it's actual actually the process of how the ball travels that's more important in american football by the sounds of things to get into a team yeah yeah to get into a team they're judging your your, yeah, your foot to ball uh your height so how quickly you get at elevation they're then judging rotation so how cleanly is that ball rotating because uh, basically have you cleaner an x and then uh obviously um Wearing this, wearing this post, you're scoring, and then are you scoring? So that's that's training camp. That's that's to get signed. That's workouts. That's combines. That's what they're looking at. So like you know, I I had a day where maybe went four to five, say in training camp, but two of them are X balls. So X just meaning the ball instead of finding a clean yeah. rotation, it was a little bit Xy, and you know, ball went over. But you know, no, that's that's marked down as an X ball. It's good, but it's an X ball. So that they're they're totting that. But once you're in game and you're playing. No one then cares. Once you have the job, it's to your point, did you score or not? Um, so the standards to get in, and same for like the lads that got signed to college, the standards to get into a team or college or pro team are really high. But once you're playing, it's just now it's just all well, the managers just stats. So it's, it's, it's odd. I found that really strange. Like they ask you for these mad metrics, mad expectations, really high. But then when it comes to playing, it totally changes. And like they don't care if the ball hops off your toe a little bit. You hit a little bit low and it rotates a little bit fast. No one's, no one's calling you out on that. They're just saying it's good, <laughs> you're happy, you can breathe a sigh of relief and drink your water. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it's almost like two different, it's, it's two, two different disciplines to get in and get signed and keep it versus when you're in, then you're just, the expectation is almost lower in terms of the quality of your strike, but then your stats, obviously, what you live and die by. But it kind of is a similar thing in rugby as well, isn't it? In that, like, and in Gaelic football too, in that for the casual fan, if Johnny Sexton misses a couple of kicks, 
uh, Sexton did not kick well yesterday. And if you're looking at that, you're like, well, he missed a couple of kicks, but he did kick well. Like, they were good strikes. Whereas if they all went over, but a couple of them were like loopy yeah, and came wobbly. off his foot, as a goal kicker, you'd be saying, geez, he didn't kick well there. Yeah. Um, but that's to the level of understanding, I suppose, of the coach. And that's what you're doing day in, day out. So we had Peter Breen on of Rugby Bricks, and he gave us his 10 pillars mm. for goal kicking. And that's a lot. And yeah. you, you mentioned there, like, five kind of metrics that they're looking at for American football in terms of your KPIs for success. Do you have your own personal KPIs when you're looking at potential recruits for leader kicking? Um, <clears throat> what's, what stands out, pretty much what I'm looking to see is is really the how how clean their contact is so like how nice the the ball is rotating that's that's something that sticks out really quickly and then the elevation it's like how how quickly is the ball going up because it's no good some rugby guys they're very over the ball mm-hmm. and they hit it straight but like they're it's more much more of a driven kick and a snappy impact so they're, they're for american football you have say depending on how good your blocking is you might have eight seven six yards to get it up over a lad who's six foot five and is an absolute athlete. <laughs> he wants to kill you. Yeah, so, so like, because he always put the most, one of the most athletic, tall guys, you know, back, and his job is to, like, take two, three steps and then get a hand up. Mm-hmm. So it's never nice. It's happened to me where you hear the thud of the ball and then a thud of a lad's hand. You're like, ah, that's not going over. Um, but anyway, so for me, they're the things that stick out instantly. Um, but then going back to actually kicking the actual mechanic side of it, you know, for me, it just comes back to kind of, like, I look mostly, assuming they're operating within two and a half yards, is like I freeze frame on just a plant pre-impact and just kind of seeing is the plant foot relatively aligned. Not not exactly aligned. It's not, it's not the same for everyone. The best NFL kicker is a guy called Justin Tucker, and he does not kick like a lot of kicking coaches say you must kick. He's the best of all, like mm-hmm. probably the best of all time. Definitely the best that's currently in the game. Um, so as I said, there's a lot, there's a lot of non there, there's a lot of scope for your personal thing. But for me, yeah, it's kind of I freeze frame on it, just pre-impact um, and looking at plant foot and body height. But people's body height do vary a little bit. Um, I'm just looking: is there a really big obvious deficiency somewhere um, where someone could be far too cramped over, or the plant foot could be far too close to the ball, so they have to then lean big time to create the to l- allow that pendulum to happen? Yeah. So within reason, I'd look at that. And then I always freeze frame on the foot just before it contacts the ball. Are they, are they flat? Is it if it's a flat foot like you're passing a soccer ball, that's really weak and that's really, you're recruiting your groin, so it's, it's not going to work. Um, so I'm just trying to see what that foot to ball contact looks like. That's the most important thing. And then ideally you have a decent extension after the kick where your kicking foot kind of comes up to hip height and you skip through the kick. Some rugby guys, get a football guys, we kind of roll our plant foot. So we kind of impact, we roll off our plant foot a little bit. I don't mind that too much if the outcome is the height is there, trajectory is there, or the trajectory, the rotation and the outcome is there. I don't mind that, but a lot of American coaches hate it. Uh, I did it myself a little bit, and I learned that, oh, it, I remember saying, like, the ball's flying high and over, but so it doesn't matter if my kind of roll, my plan for it versus skip, it did to them. Um, so Why does it to them? Just because it's different? Why does it matter? Yeah, I, I think it just... A li- went to this uh, coaching session in Arizona with this like renowned kicking coach um, and first shot put me back at 50 yards and uh, just goes give it a kick 
banged it because he's really important so I was like very ready for the session because if you do well for him he then like name drops you to other special teams coaches in the league so I banged it over and like just first ball you know getting out of the, getting out of the way and it was clean so I was like oh great uh, and then he just literally goes to me in a back arse of Arizona he goes well you can kick this sh- like curse yeah. kick the shit out of it but um, no one's going to like how you do it and then I was like what you mean he goes well you rolled your ankle and I was like yeah fair but like outcome and he's just like, no one's going to do that. So I spent the next maybe six, eight weeks trying to transition into more of a skip kicker. So in my plant foot, I was more of just a roll out and skip out my plant foot. I found it really hard. I know it sounds really small You were 28 small as well, right? 29, yeah, 20, yeah, 29. Found it really hard to get that skip. Um, and I spent yeah, around six weeks trying to do it. And my kicking disintegrated. Like, I, I forgot how to kick a ball. Mm-hmm. It was a really small thing. So I guess as well, I hate coaches that just say something for the sake of yeah. feeling they need to say something. Hate it. Because I've experienced it. I'm young enough that I've been through it all. I've experienced it recently. And there's nothing worse than standing over a ball thinking about 20 different things. Or thinking about more than three things. Um, we might get into it. But I think when it comes to actually playing, I think of only two things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I learned that a coach making a comment, something that didn't really dictate the outcome at all. Because I could perform it consistently consistently to a high level um so i spent my six weeks and another coach his name's john carney he's in the nfl for 24 years the fifth or third top point scorer of all time john was like tight you kicked to a really high level no special teams coach is going to give is going to care in a game if you do that mm. but i go back to our early conversation to get in that like they thought that would matter once once you're in that does not matter and justin tucker who kicked the biggest field goal of all time 66 yards last season Rolled his ankle on the kick. So I remember almost wanting the screenshot and sent it to that fella, but that would have been petty. So, yeah. so the plan was to just tinker with your technique just enough to get in the door. The and then, like, then I'm just going to roll. Yeah, but not mad. <laughs> yeah. But it was. And, and, and that's what I was told. We we're told we have kicking coaches. I had this up in the Tiger Cats, up in the CFL. I remember we had a ki- I was performing statistically the highest level kicker. I was just in really good headspace. And we had a kicking coach come in and uh, kicking the NFL for multiple years. And he came in and I was like, oh God, I, I just didn't want that because I knew the coaches didn't lo- love my swing because I experienced it a few times at this stage. And I remember he came in and he just, in the middle of training camp was just, he said to me, he's like, I can't do anything with you. Like I can't change your kicking stuff. And I was like, I don't want you to change it. I'm kicking really well. <laughs> going over. And then the special teams coach who knows nothing about kicking because he's just a former a different position. It's really weird. He's not, a, he's not, he knows zero about kicking. He openly says that. But all of a sudden now the narrative changed in training where my special teams coach was then saying, hey, you, uh, your ankle on that uh, on your field goal. I remember just being like, you, you haven't, I've taken 100 kicks in front of you. You've never mentioned it. And now all of a sudden it became a thing. So anyway, that was really That happens for everything though. Like I'm just thinking in terms of for any skill, the level to which you understand how that skill is performed and the success in that endeavor the more open you well firstly in terms of dunning-kruger effect you get less open because you think there's one way to do it but then as you figure out there's not one way so what i'm thinking is as a scrum half like hands the target hands the target on that pass doesn't matter not really like when you're a young lad and you're 12 13 and you want to create some sort of uh, consistency then okay fine but as you go up into professional ranks nobody's telling John Cooney like yeah. hands the target John it's yeah. just like get it to the out half in the position he wants it mm-hmm. um, and 
what's probably happening there by the sounds of things is that higher level guy was in the ear of somebody else and then they're taking him at his word because oh, yeah. he has all this experience. Oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, 100%. That's Frustrating exactly. though, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> yeah. I got fired. <laughs> like I got like, I went in and kicked the ultimate moment you can get his kicking a game winner. Went in and did that. Like life is great. And like, it was just, I couldn't, yeah. Like it was so frustrating, especially again, if it was dictating the outcome of kicks or it was restricting that side of things, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, fair enough, Jesus. Like, I, I would, of course, li- listen. And like, I did initially listen to the other coach a few probably months prior at that point to, to get better. But I tried, I did try, I did six weeks out in San Diego. All the lads would go kick on one end. I was always with them. I would go to a different pitch on the other end and just practice on my skip. And again, it sounds like such a small thing, but it was, re- it was surprisingly difficult. Um, and Do you yeah. think it's compounding because not only were you kicking it a different way, but you also didn't have the college stats? Whereas if you oh. had the college stats and you were kicking it your unique way, they wouldn't have minded. But it was the two things compounding on each other. They're like, look, this guy isn't going to yeah. make it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. If I, yeah, if I had footage to fall back, because my footage was playing, just showing me kicking balls in rugby stadiums from, say, sideline conversions to the halfway line. And they were like, yeah, that's great, but it's a different ball. No oh, pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> no pads. Exactly. Like, yeah, 100%. If I had that, if I, had that I, I could have pointed towards that. And then, yeah, I, but I didn't. I, so I didn't have it. So I had to, you know, just try, try and figure it out. So that, yeah, that. But, but at the time, Jesus, that was it was massively frustrating, especially when the ball was going high and over. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is the job. So is this kind of one of the reasons that you've decided that right? I've got to make leader kicking an extremely efficient and effective business, and in order to do that, I've got to get recruits into college first because that's the only way that we're going to get them pa- well not probably not the only way but it's the most likely way we're going to create a pathway and then out of those recruits to talk about what we t- touched on earlier in terms of that ball contact and what you're looking for are those the similar correlations between those successful or semi-successful recruits so far yeah so the first base 100 i figured out pretty quickly because I kept coming up against that when I was talking to NFL scouts, they were like, because I was sent, at this point I was training, so I was sending them training tape. Whereas kicking with other NFL kickers, some active, some release, but about to, they've since gone on to be active. Um, so I was, I was kicking comparable and sometimes winning those competitions. And they were like, hey, look, this is great. And the fact I was Irish and stuff, they didn't, they liked that too. Um, this is great. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to push it on to the special teams coordinator, love your stuff. Can you just also send us your college stats? And I was like, oh, well actually i don't have those uh, i was playing professional rugby and then there was like oh what and then i had a so I talk with one gm or not gm scout who was like hey man love your stuff but i just moved here or you know maybe it's there a month my family is coming they hadn't come yet uh if i bring you into camp and you know it doesn't pan out or if i vouch for you and it doesn't pan out like i will also be fired not only be fired so I remember that was one of my first kind of like oh wow this is a different business um but what i did learn through all of that is you need to go to college and then also having kicked with loads of guys who went, well, not loads, every single one of them was a college, former college footballer. I got to learn more about like what the college American football experience is. And I was like, wow, this sounds class. Like mm-hmm. this, yeah, like if we can access that, that'd be unreal. And then, yeah, you have the stats, which is the stats. Is, that's the same Ross is going to Idaho. And we had like there were multiple different scholarship options. But why do you choose Idaho? Multiple reasons, but a big reason was Idaho 
Uh, good people, good program, but assuming all things being equal, they play at altitude, so the ball's going to go further. They play indoors, so ideally it's, it's less, you know, it's indoors, obvious, well, that'll help kickers. Why do we choose that? So he has college stats. There's less variables yeah. indoors. So his stats, his stats in theory will be higher. So then when NFL scouts or CFL scouts look at him, the stats is where they go. They don't, they don't then judge, was it an X ball or did it come off your toe? At that point, they just judge the cold, hard numbers. His numbers should be higher. So yeah, stats is everything. That's what I learned to my journey is if you can get guys into college, my goal isn't to send guys to the pros. It'd be unbelievable if that happens. But my goal is to get guys into college football and like experience that side of things. And then obviously, the, of course, the education side of things is a class way to marry the two together. Um, and then, sorry, the second part of that question... Was in terms of the lads that you have sent over and the lads that have been semi-successful or successful so far, have they all got that ball strike down? Have they all got those similar characteristics yeah. that you look every at? Go, every good kicker, foot, as I said, is that foot to ball. Um, and same with all the... Yeah, every good kicker, that's the Irish guys that I'm working with that are good. And then the I'm comparing to the NFL guys, um, you, you freeze frame... Uh, just as your foot is contacting the ball, you should be seeing something looks very similar. No one, no one has an open club face. Mm-hmm. No one's, no one's doing that. Everyone has a foot rolled over. We're exposing that the right, the right part of a foot to the ball. Like that's, that's as I said a non-negotiable. That everyone has that same picture. Plant foot could be different. Head height could be different. Chest could be different. But that, that bit is is not different. And if they have that bit, are you saying okay, great? The other stuff we can train. We can also train that bit, I guess, you know, like because a lot of a lot of the lads, I think a lot of the Gaelic footballers kind of contact a bit lower on their foot and they're, they they bend it quite a lot, mm-hmm. which you don't want. So I think we can train. But if a lad has like a, a good strike of a ball, even if it's not perfect to that uh, foot to ball contact just yet, we can def I can definitely ingrain that with a talented athlete who's a quick learner. You can get that into them. Um, Right now, I'm just looking for guys that can strike up. Whatever their t- chosen discipline is, they can hit a ball to a high level, which then shows me they're at least consistent in what they do. And they, they won't have to change things by like three inches. It's not, it's not a huge change. But, um, if a guy, but, but when they get really good and they're getting high, clean field goals, they then do have that piece. No one's hitting a high, clean field goal when it hops off their toe or when it hops off the inside of their foot. That, that, that doesn't happen. So um, you can coach it. But generally speaking, lads, are, lads have it or are very close to it already. When you're coaching them on that then, or on anything else, in your coaching, are you using both external and internal cues with the athletes? And then how heavily you weigh on either side of that, does that depend on the athlete and on the endeavor as well? Because you're not only, I know we're talking a lot about the goal kicking, but you're coaching punters as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What I've learned is, I guess to one of my earlier points is like, you can get, you can give, give a guy like two or three swing thoughts or swing thoughts being, you know, just like coaching cues that, you know, they're thinking about on a punt. Punts, Aspire is pretty technical. So there's, you know, there's multiple things you can look at. Is it much different to a spiral in rugby? Yeah. Very different. Very, very different. Ball's smaller. Same on field goal. Ball's smaller. Sweet spot's smaller. Margin for error is much higher. Um, so both the drop and the strike are completely different. Yeah, yeah. The drop, the, how you hold the ball, totally different. Where you drop it in rugby, for example, a spiral, you kind of midline it a little bit, meaning it's kind of on your right hip, your right footer slash like belly button type, and we we we, we impact across it a little bit, so our foot's coming across the body way more. With this, 
A, we're dropping a bit outside of the right hip because we want to get our swing much more square and square and high. So our foot's kind of finishing left shoulder, left eye. Whereas in rugby, a spiral, my foot be finishing like outside my left, outside my body, and it wouldn't be going to my sho- wouldn't go near my shoulder. I read you'd be able to do that yet. That's uh, not n- not to that degree yet. No, some of the Gaelic football. There's that clip of um, David Clifford. He's the one where he's hitting a free or something, or in yeah. Gaelic football where he has his he has his kick and foot extended like yeah. unbelievable. And uh, I saw a clip of um, Connor Myler. He had one recently. He was doing a photo shoot, but still, <laughs> he, I shouted to him. He sent it to me, and it was quite it was funny because uh, yeah, like that thing. But it's, it's not a normal swing for lads. Um, so I'd say no, but. What I'm looking at is kind of like we can we can coach we can definitely coach that and it, it it takes a lot of time and as I went went through it takes a lot of time to to get that swing pattern squared up a bit, um, but when you do get it it's obviously if we can be squarer in our ball contact and our foot's like more vertical that it is a more powerful powerful kick because because a lot of guys they come to me and they hit a spiral for example a rugby player mm. they hit a spiral but they hit it like rugby and it's in the air for like three seconds. It's a very inefficient, weak kind of kick. They might get this to like, oh, I spiraled it. I'm like, yeah, you spiraled it, but you just cut the ball. You just like, ripped across it versus rip up and through it. Because it's the nature of the rugby ball that makes a spiral go further in rugby, not the, well, kind of the strike, but it's because of the path that it takes. Yeah, and I think it's in rugby though, we just swing across it a lot more. That's yeah. it's, A, spiraling's been coached out once. Remember when I went into the, when I went into the Connacht Academy at whatever, 1819, um, spiraling was not coached at all. And it was, I, I spiraled a little bit uh, up to that through schoolboy rugby and spiraling was gone. It was end over end, yeah. higher level accuracy. Consistency. Yeah. So it was taken out of the game. Now it's, it's Spiral bomb bit. is back. That's cool, which is cool to yeah. see. And that's more, of a, that's more of a square high swing. Yeah. That would be an example of a, a closer to American football point. Okay. That would be actually a good example of that. But like, you know, the, the everyone thinks of the Ron Nagara, that low driven yeah. one. That's, that's a lot more of a kind of a cut one. Mm-hmm. But again, he's not looking for hang time there. He actually wants the ball to get to ground quickly. So it skids. So it's a different, it's a different swing. No one has, haven't come across anyone yet that has that swing from a punt perspective that I'm like, oh wow, that's it. But, you can once once you create awareness of it guys guys figure it out but again i we kind of only maybe making maximum three points for them to think about yeah. because otherwise it's just you, you can't too eat too much and then the, the outcome becomes really bad then they're then they they're get not down thinking about then, contact at all anymore they're thinking and it's dilution each of the points as well because yeah, they're exactly. trying to focus on everything. Yeah, it's that's as I said earlier. I'm passionate. I hate. I just I used to just hate when coaches would say something, say saying something like that, or like or the most generic thing that lads get obviously um, is head down, follow through when it comes to kicking coaching. So there, and it's, it's not against the coaches now by any means. Cause I just like I I was given like I can do professional rugby in Ireland, and I was never coached around kicking anything close to what I experienced when I moved over to American football it's because when rugby we have a million things to do and kicking is one it's important but it's one of many in American football I'm not worried about my breakdown height I'm not worried about my angle of approach to a rook or my tackle technique or my hands to target or whatever that might be I just worry about foot to ball contact so it's as a result you obviously break it down to a much higher degree and that's, so that's what I'm lucky to have learned and that was when I moved to the sport I remember telling myself if I go nowhere with this at bare minimum I'm going to be a better coach around kicking for rugby like that was one of the kind of the worst case scenarios and the clubs and the teams that are well clued in like they may employ a skills coach 
and a separate kicking coach or sometimes the skills coach will double as yeah. a kicking coach but like it's probably it's probably changed a little bit in that more teams are doing it like even at Leinster schools level there are a few teams that would have a kicking coach um nowadays but it's as you said for the majority it's not coached at all whereas i would imagine every single NFL, American football, college, CFL team will have somebody that specializes in kicking. Would that be fair to say? They they all don't employ a guy on the staff, but every kicker has their caddy or their coach. Oh, their okay. Caddy. Yeah, so every kicker has the guy they go to to work with. And the NFL and CFL teams, they typically, because most of your learning is done in the off-season and you're tinkering because you're not in-game, but once, once you get in-season, it's just about as i said having two thoughts in your head and just go and execute and they're not they're not they're not technical they're just more performance-based self-talk so most guys yeah they have it's like a golf caddy you have your own caddy that you that you work with some teams bring in a coach which i experienced actually as we mentioned earlier but that's not good because having a guy come in with his own ideas in the middle of a season or in camp at that point you just want to just want to go do whereas in the other six months of the year you can go learn so it's yeah, that's typically how it works. You have everyone has a very specialist coach, but it's you, it's it's more of off season learning, and then just like phone calls during the season just to talk through things versus a guy on staff who's there every day. Because at that level as well, guys are good and guys performing, so you don't need someone constantly on you about things as well. So it's maybe a little bit different. But it's more for a conversation, I suppose. It's, yeah, it's, like I said, like a caddy almost. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's chatting more so. At that level as well, it's chatting more so than Anthony versus telling a guy. Changing. If you, because if you miss hit a ball, say you contact a little bit low, you know yourself instantly mm-hmm. the error that was made. You don't need someone to tell you, you know, or you, you, you go to spiral, you know, my drop is off, the nose was down versus being flattered. Unless you miss five in a row, then you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> well, you, might, yeah, you might get the sixth opportunity. Yeah, probably uh, that. Yeah, so that's kind of how, yeah, that's kind of how that works at that level. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you guys know that I have three spots available for coaching in July. This is for online coaching in the PD Performance Premium Pack or hybrid coaching if you would like more in-person coaching. I've been doing a lot of work with people in person in regards to return to play, development of speed and change of direction. So if you would like to grab one of those spaces, make sure to drop me a DM with the word coach immediately. These spaces will potentially go quite quickly and then I will start getting people into the program for August. So do not wait. I don't want you to miss out. Now, back to the podcast. So you have quite an interesting role then because you are doubling up or quadrupling up. You're a caddy and you're kind of an agent and you're a recruiter and you're Uh. doing all of this social media and everything. So it's obviously a lot, but... To put your caddy hat on first, when you have those initial conversations with the athletes, what questions are you asking them and what characteristics from a psychological or a personal perspective are you looking for, if anything? Yeah, I think primarily you're just trying to gauge how open-minded a person is and like how that's, that, can be, that can be a big indicator then like of how re- realistic this journey will be. Um, you don't have to be open-minded about American football and the sport, but just, just general open-minded curiosity, open-minded and curiosity, like you know, because that will take you a long way in this, um, and your your mindset around learning. And so I think that's a big one. I 
come across a few lads who think they're class. <laughs> like, it's just really frustrating. You're like, you're 18, you know, they're playing for their county of minors or something. And like, that's hard to work with. The big thing I do say is good humans, like good people. I know that's a really easy thing to say, but like, trust me, we're, we've had different things going on and like, we're, we're around partners and stuff that are trying to join us. And we're like, nah, unless you're a really good fit for a brand and who you are and what you represent, we're not, we're not doing that. So I know we're embodying that. So yeah, like pretty quickly, I think you can kind of get an idea, but <clears throat> some it's, Americans are too humble or at least they pretend yeah. to be humble. It's not genuine, but just like Ross is a good example. Just like a sound lad takes instruction well. Not not that I not that I'm I'm not the guy that's gonna bark at you. I would yeah. I've never gotten close to barking it. That's that's not me. You don't need again a caddy, you don't need the caddy screaming at you. It's conversation, it's sound, it's 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 friendship, um, a lot of the time. But uh yeah, it's I think pretty quickly I can get a gauge. Not to also for me not to judge either, but you try so far it's typically being close to being right. I, just I there's nothing worse than a lad coming in that the things thinks they know everything yeah. and then thinks they deserve everything and it's like wait a second it's like relax but like, what i was going to say in terms of a common characteristic of a kicker is to have confidence in yourself yeah. so it's okay as an athlete and as a kicker to have confidence in yourself but to know that you're still capable of getting better and the only way you can get better is through feedback yeah. and taking on feedback constructive and feedback it. Yeah. yeah and the big thing is for me because like for like the lads i'm working with I want you to be absolute best you can be. So A, you go perform, have a class experience, but then you're going to leave a really good impression on your, your university and all the universities you play against for the next lad, for the next Irish lad to come through. So like, it's, it's very important. I find most of the kickers I've worked with that have been really good. I would say almost no one's coming to mind that doesn't book this trend, but there has to be a few. Um, I would say 90% have a really good like assuredness quiet self-confidence about mm -hmm. themselves not external not a very loud and that's okay if you are but just as it turns out most of them actually yeah. are not but you you want your team to to know when like a game's on the line a game winner's coming like that this lad like yeah we, 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 the game's on his shoulders like we, we trust that so that's i uh, say so most of the lads and again i say ross just because he's been the main guy i've worked with he's going you know like every time we went around the u.s visit all these campuses and like as the pressure got higher you know, he just, ha I was on the sideline because I'm not on the pitch, but like, I just had such a shortness that he was going to bang it and he was just going to keep standing up and he did. But like Ross is humble, quiet fella. And that's, mm -hmm. that's probably, I like those lads because I'm going to say, I'm like that myself. I don't know. I, I'm definitely quiet. Um, I'd like to say I'm humble, but uh, it's, it's lads that are generally of that demeanor, typically, t that's, that's typically tend to be the guys that I found that kind of go further. Um especially as a kicker as well. You're not the quarterback. You're not the superstar. You, you might be the star when you get to do some certain things, but generally require confidence. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little bit different, but yeah. That's but. what I'm laughing at that I'm finding hilarious is when I was kicking, playing rugby, I was probably not the most self-confident. I was probably a little bit quieter and yeah, not very assured of myself. But the last thing that I used to say to myself, and I've heard you talk about self-talk before, was in stark contrast to what you've just said was I'd look at the post, look at the ball, and then say to myself, I'm class. Yeah. And then knock it over and it worked. But I had to continually repeat that to myself yeah. in order to believe it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and that is that positive self-talk. But Which it wasn't... It wasn't innate, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was something that I had to work on. But Almost then make yourself believe it by two repetition. Probably. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's I think that's absolutely. Like if that's so, I, 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 I've become 
so big on self-talk and the power of it i didn't i didn't understand it didn't really utilize it ever oh excuse me i didn't utilize it i thought i was doing it in rugby through my career and stuff but only when i moved to american football because it's a really pressurized position and it is can be quite lonely and some again the golfer analogy like it's it's just you the game stops and everyone watches you to watches you to go out perform a shot that you do have to be um very confident in, in your abilities to do so and self-talk was a, was a big help there but um yeah anthony that gets you in in the state of mind that allows you to just like just go like go perform or and for me a big thing is like you obviously want to achieve whatever it is aka kick the ball over but my big thing was if i know i attacked every moment with like a just like went after the kick didn't shirk it in rugby i was not i looking back i was like a lot of time on I, I wasn't that confident in myself I wasn't even though I was always a kicker and stuff and I did well but I did not have the same kind of belief in myself as back then mm-hmm. as I do now and that was just through my own kind of journey of discovery and I was gonna say I wish I did but nah like that's part of life you, you, yeah, you learn how you learn and now thankfully I'm in a position where I'm working with lads to help help them figure it out but no I'm, I'm a huge advocate and like I, I try I would talk to Ross about it a little bit but lads at the beginning not too much just i'm just trying to let them kick and enjoy it that's really important that they just have a bit of crack with it and are happy kicking but the more serious we get you do try and give them anchors and triggers that they can you say when things are going crazy around you there's lads eight yards away screaming for you to miss there's all the sirens going off in the stands like there is like an inner piece or almost like where you can just connect to like your process and then just go after it so that's something i experienced so i'm trying to help lads connect to that as best they can and just and that's open-minded though as well as yeah. open-minded and stuff and find that harder than i think or like yeah so i think that goes back to that side and curiosity to get better again but then why we are trying to create this confidence or assimilate this confidence or learn it is because we want to bang it over yeah. at the opportunities that are given and we want to bang it over under pressure and you've said there that you have full confidence every time that ross is under pressure he will bang it so how are you artificially creating that pressure for him when you're training and when you're preparing yeah. or can you no yeah it's it's not easy it's not easy but for example so what's really important is we uh to get coaches interested you have to send them rolling tape. So what that means, so basically everyone can get a tape of oh, them. Everyone okay. can send a clip of one, a one-off 10-second clip if you're banging a field goal. That's, yeah, no one really cares about that. It's about sending them three minutes of footage of you just zigzagging your back and increasing your distance where you're nailing every kick, high, clean, good rotation. So little things like, say we do an eight-kick set, we get back to the eighth, so we're lining up for the eighth kick, and I'd be like, well, Ross, you bang this over and this tape's going to go all over the college coaches around America. It's going to be unreal. You miss. You've just wasted a huge opportunity. Like, what are you going to do here? But I'd be saying that on camera so the yeah. coach can hear it as well, whatever. And literally, literally every time he's, he scored the kick. Uh, so that would just be a way, because I don't know with other lads, and unfortunately they missed. And it, unfortunately, then you're like, all right, we've got to quite try to do that again. And some days you don't get it. Um, but yeah, like he, he, I know from asking him after, like, do you, how did you feel? He's like, you know, I definitely felt that there was something there. But then... The big thing we try and frame it as is like well, there's an opportunity to bang the eighth kick and actually get that class kick and, and then I actually send it to all the coaches. So that's what we try and but frame it. But that's what off. he's focusing on. He's not thinking too much about if I miss it. That's probably why he's successful. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's like, this is an opportunity rather than this is an opportunity that I could lose. Yeah, and, and that was the biggest learning learning when we talk about kind of the journey. That was my biggest revelation personally was 
framing everything as an opportunity to go well or like running out to take a game winning kick and being like oh god it can be a little bit scary what happens if I miss everyone is going to hate me blah blah whatever but like that's just, you know what I mean like, like it's it's difficult it's very vulnerable so, so that was uh, that was one of the things I talked to the lads about is like whenever we're entering a, like a vulnerable situation which a kicking can be quite isolating and lonely um it, it means though there's a huge opportunity attached to it and like we need to like rec- like just recognize that for for what how classic can be mm-hmm. and every time it's not going to work and if it doesn't you just have to have the mindset to be like there's going to be another one and like you need to, to keep that optimism and trust in yourself but um yeah that's kind of how, how we talk a lot of, and then uh, a good thing about what we do now is that as a kicker you go kick you sit down after as a punter you punt and you sit down after you have loads of time for like reflection and learning so what I did when I moved to American football is I always had my game day notes, which every athlete pretty much probably has, or most have. But the beauty of this sport is like I could sit down and read it throughout the game, so I could keep going back to things and like keep reading my triggers. And after I performed any skill, or I got on the pitch to kick or punt, I would then write down how was I feeling, what was I telling myself, and like how did that go? And like as I said, a big thing where I those was three in, questions. Um, wasn't structured always to that but it's generally kind of what, what it came down what it, what it kind of came down to yeah um and if it went well um great if it didn't i i learned as well to talk to myself as if i was coaching myself so because if i'm coaching someone i very much just kind of like well like what happened trying to sit, decipher what that what went wrong and then quickly let's let's get on to the next piece and it's usually positive positive and it's optimistic it's not if you idiot or whatever like you, you blew that so it's that was like when you're at the golf course yeah yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it helped me a lot just like talking to myself so then i'd write that down quickly and i'd read it as like the coach not me being emotional in, in, in that way or like um on getting on myself too much i just found it helped it just made me so much freer and my big thing was, as long as I, as I said earlier, attacked every moment with like real genuine, like I'm going after this, I'm not shirking it, I'm not playing it safe, I'm not here to play it safe. If I go out in a ball of flames, I can, at least I can be happy knowing like I get, I went after it with a real positive kind of outlook. And so that meant, like that was something that I tried to instill in myself that made, meant I could sleep easy at night. Or even the time I got released, I was like, I'm, I can be, I wasn't happy. But I was like, I'm very comfortable with like how I conducted myself and how I performed. Whereas in rugby, looking back on it, a lot of things that I I can't say I necessarily I would have played it safe. Actually, I definitely, especially when I went through Connacht when I was going through the academy and through the first team stuff, I I played not to mess up mm. versus playing to thrive and perform. I was just trying to survive versus thrive, and that's that was that's fine. Like like I I learned from it and went on to have class experiences. So like that's part of my journey. But it was again. I'm fortunate now that I'm in a position where I can try and help others learn, not necessarily my mistakes, but just learn from my journey and how I can potentially help them on, on their on their bit. And that's all the lessons and all that learning and all that development. That's what's led you to this point with leader kicking. So if you were able to say, what do you think success looks for for leader kicking in the next few years? <laughs> We kind of had a goal of like in the first three years, if you get like five or six guys to a division one college, because we're told for the, when I say we were told, told by so-called experts in the US that like, you know, you're not going to get to division one in the first few years. You're going to have to, the guys won't get scholarships. They're just going to, whatever. I remember kind of hearing that because that's what other people in different countries experience. Kind of hearing that, but quietly confident, respectfully, but quietly confident being like, nah. Like, Pure I, Irish. Like. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, All right, yes. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, sound like <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, nah. Like, like, I don't believe that to be true for us because I know 
we Gaelic rugby soccer Irish people just we we kick a ball for fun we just for a bit of crack like we're I truly think we're different um as the Americans would say you were we're built different bro um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway I so we've obviously broken down all those barriers literally the first two guys have gone to D1 colleges off the bat and we have some major major D1 colleges now like saying like who, who who's coming next what's what's your like what's what's the projections who's who's out there so I, I've kind of said this publicly a few times I think like next year I, so we sent two this year I think next year we realistic to get like five to seven guys I already have some class lads lined up like top minor Gaelic footballers top Irish AFL players who are going to come home things like that like class lads that are elite um so I think next year I'd hope to find five to seven guys and thereafter like 10 plus every year for forevermore um I truly think there's going to be 100 like in my lifetime 200 300 lads will go do this and forevermore this is going to be a pathway like a real the way the AFL is now say Irish lads going to the AFL I think this is definitely going to surpass that and the good thing about that is or excuse me very confident of that but the good thing about what we're doing is and the support from like the GEA rugby communities things like that has been really strong people that's been a question I get asked a lot how's how's the reaction been the good thing is we're not sending lads to go play professionally we're sending lads who are getting the opportunity to to go you know study and I get that they're going to come away with degrees I was chatting to an AFL lad recently who's down there and they're not they're they're not really they're not enrolled in university they're just training full-time they're not supported like that so I understand it can be tough if a guy go there and he might get injured or cut and then he's coming back at 24, 25, 26 and actually doesn't have that, say, academic background behind him to fall back on or, or as we say, you know, the degree in the back pocket. So what, at least what we're doing is it's it's education first. If you don't have the academic ability or at least aspirations academically, you can't even do the athletic mm-hmm. set of things. So it has to be academic first. So I think that's, I think that's why people have been so understanding and supportive of it. Like, what a class opportunity, but at least it's tied to the education side of things. And U.S., as a lot of people probably know, it's going to cost a couple of hundred grand to get, like, do a big college, get educated. Mm-hmm. And we're being, you know, you've been offered something like you get A for free, ideally for free. Secondly, you can actually now get some funding on top of that, some money in your back pocket, and then the experience is obviously class. So, yeah, I think this is going to be huge. Um, my DMs and emails would probably confirm that of the interest. You know, we're less than a year. And into what this. that degree is worth as well in oh, one of those top <laughs> colleges yeah. is crazy. Like. Yeah, it's yeah, no good points, and that's something we're kind of saying to some families and stuff because you also get a visa to stay for a year on top of that, so you get to go earn in the US where you know things are massively there's a different level right um and if you're a college football athlete and you perform and you're the irish fella like your network is going to be huge like i have a big network there and just from playing rugby i can't imagine if i was a lad on espn multiple weekends a year with the irish flag on the back of my helmet and like good person good character sound like the opportunity that you can create for yourself if you're playing rugby you're one of the irish lads yeah yeah you're the the irish yeah exactly yeah exactly and like that's class and even now as i said and loads of lads say to me it's like i wish this existed 10 years ago i'm like yeah i I would have (laughs) jumped out of myself um but anyway it's here now and it's it's going to be huge and it's going to change a lot of lives i got to see that with ross and ronan we did Mm. we did 10 days in the u.s driving around the country i haven't you know the most i spent with the lads is two or three hours i got to spend you know every day together and it was class agency like leader kicking go from this concept that's looking really promising to reality but then like be to hear the lads and the lads kind of like the journey they're on and like actually seeing their lives change right in front of me and it was like oh, this is class like this is this is i've been saying that this is going to happen but like seeing it happen is it was another thing and you know what like 
as I said, I left my day job now because this is like truly like class intersection for me of something I'm, I would have, can proudly say I'm skilled at because I have acquired knowledge that I don't think anyone else has within Ireland around what I'm doing, say. Um, and then like passionate, truly, I, my, you know, for off Santa Claus, I get a kicking tee in a ball. Like that was my, and the, and the predators at the time, whatever they were at the beginning, like that was me kicking. And then, you know, so two of those have kind of led to something that I said to my girlfriend, like it feels like true like sense of purpose like you know, I'm actually meant to do this now like this no one else has the kind of background and uh, like, whatever so I was like, I'm meant to do this so like it's it's been unbelievable and thankfully the everything's been coming together nicely and the people I've met along the way have been sound skillful to then help them and the families and like Ross's parents Ronan's parents etc it's just class it's, it's morphed into something bigger than I even thought and at a pace that I did not think was realistic but thankfully here we are and that is unbelievable that that is happening well it is believable actually from an irish perspective <laughs> like that's the funny thing yeah yeah but what you and ross and ronan are doing currently in terms of going the traditional route through college in doing that what you're actually opening the world up to and opening the collegiate sports and the nfl up to in the future is a non-traditional route yeah. in time mm. how long do you think before some of those scouts start using a more non-traditionalist view of okay you've got to have a college background and you've got to kick the ball like this because the guys that when they get there if they do get there they're not going to be through the traditional pathway of the kick mm -hmm. nor the traditional pathway of american football yeah i think that the idea of making that impact at the professional level um <laughs> I would I would see that being changed, starting to slowly change with some coaching staff, especially younger guys. It's generally the younger coaches that are obviously more optimistic and open-minded and consider consider outside the box thinking. I think on the back of Ross going and the back of Ronan going and whoever's going to go next year, that they'll make enough noise that they'll start to be more aware of what a what an elite Gaelic footballer is or like what they are. And then I'm I've already as I'm talking to some people with the NFL, I'm sending clips of the lads playing in Crow Park you know, in front of 80,000 people being like, these guys are natural born strikers of a ball, different ball, mm -hmm. but like they're elite high level performers who who know what that lifestyle is and, and know what, it, what the pressures are. So I would hope in the next three to five years that at least it's a real option for a guy, for the elite, and now we're talking elite. Yeah. I said a few times, you need to be like outliers. We're talking mm -hmm. for the outliers, there, there will, highly likely will be an avenue for a 27-year-old or 25-year-old lad who doesn't want to go to college but is an elite performer within the GEA or rugby to go into one of these pathway programs we talked about, I think that that is the talks are ongoing with that. So that, I think that's sooner rather than later. But um, it will definitely be built as well on the back of the guys, Irish guys going to college now and then performing. So then we can at least point to those college stats and say, like, look, this is what Ross did and this other lad who's from somewhere in Kerry Okay, he hasn't gone to college but he grew up the same as ross he's actually you know the exact same background as ross so there's no reason why he can't do it in the nfl if he's doing it for carries five all irelands now at this stage whatever whoever this lad would be um that that's that will i think it'll become realistic yeah takes time and you're back at carry for the all ireland obviously right? <laughs> i guess <laughs> you're gonna get so, five yeah. in the next few years <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's unbelievable but but ultimately believable as i said yeah. like and it's a huge mission and a huge purpose yeah. and a fantastic one to carry i suppose and that's why you're so passionate about it because you can see how driven you are to achieve all these things that you want to achieve but 
fantastic to have you on so far but we're going to finish with some quick fire questions so Sam. they're quick fire questions take your time answering them <laughs> if you want those type of quick fire yeah first one is proudest achievement to date um for like myself probably getting the chance to play international rugby was something i grew up granted it was in the uh star song star Sangle banner of the united states of america probably would have liked to have played for ireland growing up but i don't know just it was a bit it was a cool thing to do so that was my own career so that was my rugby career that or getting to the cfl i didn't realize how hard that was going to be so they actually stuck with it um but now i'd say it's probably it was probably like seeing the coaching side of things was seeing ross when he went out to the u.s and won um at this boston college huge college huge campus like just everything's mega there you know the coaches are in the millions like this is a huge endeavor and like seeing him on seeing him just go there and win and i'm just standing it's like a proud father kind of thing so that was like yeah that that one gave me tingles just because a lot of work <laughs> a lot of work went went into getting there but it was cool so it was kind of like almost opened up the next chapter of my life so that was really proud uh seeing that unfold and thinking like this is a start of something special so there, yeah that's that's what, that's what i'll settle on favorite athlete of all time i was obsessed with johnny wilkinson probably not that surprising but like i was just obsessed with johnny wilkinson from um still am actually dropped him a dm maybe a year ago he hasn't responded yet maybe my might in fairness from what i hear he gets to dms like in two-year cycles sometimes oh, really? so potentially potentially as this grows i'm sure yeah we'll maybe an radar. email would be more likely for him to see because there might be a lot of dms yeah yeah I, i'd imagine but uh yeah obsessed by him and growing up and just like my kicking stance you know when i was eight years old after getting the kicking tee off santa was you know it was just johnny wilkinson in the back garden so uh and then just the more i went through my career realizing how hard it is to perform at that level because obviously I can never do that and not many can but you, know, you get appreciation for like to turn up week in week out for that many years deal with all of that that comes with it. and obviously he's since spoken a lot about like mm-hmm. dealing with those pressures and how he went about them and stuff but like yeah like j- just ultimate respect for someone to do that at that level uh consistently and then like maintain although it seems he had a lot of kind of inner mm-hmm. battles but like at least externally seemed to be a, a class teammate and found a way to show up even when that was probably the last thing he wanted to do yeah. um so yeah a lot of respect for someone like and that. not only kick goals but drop goals multiple With times in a game both feet yeah. yeah yeah crazy skill development though yeah. i suppose is the aim of the game and you're learning more about that every day at the moment so next one is what's the biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months oh uh an empty mouth doesn't eat or you miss a you miss 100 of the shots you don't take that kind of an those kind of mindset just because getting into this i realized you have to i have to be i have to asking or like pitching leader kicking to, to brands as i mentioned we've had some we've had a lot of like delta airlines plastered across my chest like they flew us out first class to the us like who would have thought that was possible and i, I had to learn to I didn't just, even like, know delta did first class yeah. <laughs> you get to turn left now and you jump on it's, it's it was nice um but i guess to like establishing the, the the business side of what leader kicking is um i had to learn to just be like comfortable asking for things and being like hey listen and but and then now it's been easier because now we're not asking for a favor we're saying hey you should look to work with us because like we we're achieving x y and z um and but and i guess i should mention by getting all these like this idea of asking for things or empty mouth doesn't eat just like you have to put yourself forward uh, all of this stuff we're getting 
is to make sure that the lads that are coming through the program, at least those that I'm going to be actually promoting to the US, is like, you know, I'm say, they're not. The Ross didn't have to put his hand in his pocket. You know, like we <laughs> we think we got like six flights. We went all over the US. You know, like so like the the financial burden for all of us doesn't exist and things like that. Because I'm very conscious of your if you have the ability to do this that like there's a this avenue exists in the US and Australia other countries around the world it costs a lot of money whereas I'm not I'm I'm avoiding that by just trying to say I've built a brand that I hope partners can come on board to help then fund it let them be a part of something special life-changing and then obviously for the families and the players it becomes accessible regardless of who you are who you what your parents are and I think I'm quite passionate about that because I learned a lot of coaches um yeah, I understand why they do it, but like I just try to come across with a different lens. So I'm very proud to have been able to build it that way as well, and not just charge people a load of money. And you know, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with how I've built that side of it. Last one. What would you tell your 18 year old self? I, I, I back then I cared too much. Like I was too I was too. As I mentioned, I, I was just trying to say when I was in Connacht at that time, like just trying to survive, just trying to keep above, caring too much about other people, not being able to express myself and just go after things and just the, the mindset of just like, I'll just fly into things. And like, if it works, unreal. If it doesn't, at least you went after it versus just trying to be timid around it. So not really caring about what other people think, not being conscious of that, like control what you control. You, yeah, you only control so much. There's so much un- uncontrollables out there. So be like being happy enough to recognize and relinquish that and let that be. And I think I would have been, that would have been easier for me back then because I was very aware of, especially when you get into professional game, and it's like, oh, I hope I get this and that and whatever's happening and caring too much about things that I just didn't have a control over. So not caring what other people think, but then also recognizing your controllables. Still something I tell myself every day and write down. It's like, what do you, what do you control? Even on my phone here, you see here, if, if things that matter, things that you can control, and then like, what did you focus on? So just trying to like really be really specific around achieving certain things. So I, I look at that too many times a day. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I wish younger Tig was more aware of. But again, we live, we learn, and now the next 18-year-old or 17-year-old lad I work with, I can try and help with regards to that as well. Well, there have been a lot of lessons in those 31 years so 31 far. 31 years, 31 yeah. years so far, mm. and hopefully... Many more in the next few years as yeah. t- as leader kicking grows and, and fulfills all the success that we hope it does. So thanks a million for coming on, Tyke. Sam, man, enjoy that. And uh, no, fair play to you for being a, as prepared as you were and like good questions. And like, obviously, you, you, your background, you you get it, which I, appreci- which I appreciate. Like ask more insightful questions. Not that the people don't ask insightful questions in case anyone's listening, but I like the more performance sort of nuance. things. I think it's cool. Yeah. Thank you. Nuance. Thanks right. so much. Thank you. Cheers. This podcast was brought to you by Output Sports. Output Sports make athlete testing and monitoring simple, portable and efficient. Their single sensor tool enables the measurement of over 160 exercises spanning agility, speed, power, mobility, reactive strength and more. I've been using Output Sports technology with my athletes for the last couple of years and i would recommend them to any strength and conditioning coaches any physiotherapists or any practitioners looking to level up their quality of service contact output sports today if you're interested in doing so